Hello, and welcome to the Weekly Watch podcast series. I'm John Briggs, Global Head of Desk Strategy. This series helps you cut through the noise of global financial markets with a quick take on the upcoming trends to watch. So in just a few days, a rise in U.S. 10-year yields over 1%, which sustained to 1.2%, sparked market-wide conversation about another taper tantrum. As you probably recall, the original taper tantrum in 2013 was sparked by then-Fed Chair Ben Bernanke in May, suggesting that quantitative easing could be tapered later that year. That was quite an unexpected event for the markets. Ten-year yields subsequently rose 120 basis points, pushing gilt yields higher by a similar amount. Twins less so, but it had a drastic effect on other returns. Returns on corporate credit got crushed, equities fell 8%, although the dollar reaction, interestingly, was initially to sell off. Similarly, over the last two weeks, as fears of a Fed taper of quantitative easing, along with expectations of more fiscal stimulus out of the U.S., pushed 10-year yields higher, we did see pressure on gilts and European government bonds, and equities did start to fall on concern of higher rates. We'll come back to the dollar in a bit. To be fair, this didn't come out of nowhere. Several Fed presidents over the course of the last several days did air the possibility of a late-year taper of QE. So the markets did begin to get worried about the fact that we could see another taper tantrum. And although the yield move was only about 20 basis points in the US, there were fears growing that that would spark another run like in 2013. So why would the Fed do this if it could yield to lead to higher yields, lower stocks, tighter financial conditions, when economies still have a lot of room to recover? I mean, even we just had our first negative payroll print in the US at the beginning of the month. So why would Fed bring it up? Personally, I think it was to introduce some two-way risk into financial assets that up until recently have been on a one-way train higher, whether you look at equities, Bitcoin, commodities, et cetera. Later in the week, though, as the phrase of taper tantrum gained buzz in the markets, Fed presidents started to walk it back, and Fed Governor Brainerd also communicated that a taper wouldn't happen anytime soon. To be clear, we didn't think this would turn into a taper tantrum from the start, and still don't. That risk is going to be with us throughout this year, though. But to us, it was always too soon for it to be a durable theme right off the bat. For it to truly emerge, you need to have a lot more progress on vaccines, economic improvement in general, and then a policy signal from the Fed or other central banks. We're just beginning on the vaccines. Most economies look like they'll see some slowing in Q1 before better times in Q2 and beyond. And there's no serious policy signal for the Fed or other central banks. We've been bearish on treasuries and bunds into the year. After this move, we're more neutral on treasuries, but we still see little value in bunds. On that subject, we have the ECB this week headlining events, though we see little new coming from the meeting. We also have Bank of Japan and Bank of Canada meetings to watch for. Anything hawkish out of those could help renew tighter monetary policy fears, which as of this recording are starting to die down a bit. We're also keeping an eye on the political situation in Italy, though we think the risks that there are moderate at best. So I've mentioned we've been bearish on the fixed income side into the year. Another thing we've been bearish on into the year is the US dollar. As yields moved higher, so did the dollar, introducing a new dynamic. For this week's special subject, I'm joined by Paul Robson, head of G10 FX strategy in London. So Paul, we've seen this recent resurgence of the US dollar. What do you see as the big risks from here? Well, we think the dollar downtrend ultimately is going to resume. We still think you have the same drivers. We still think you have the same story. I I think to some extent you've got sort of early new year sort of volatility that's not uh, uncommon and it's not really that unexpected um i think for the to the dollar it's still about the global economy recovery that isn't led by the us now 
you know, that's different from 2018. Uh, back in two, uh, 2018, we had uh, the US economy doing uh, relatively well when the, the rest of the world uh, wasn't doing uh, too well. But at this point, you've got, for example, Asian economies doing better, US economies doing okay, but you don't have that exceptional uh, US growth that we've had uh, in the past. You've got commodity markets that are uh, are doing better. Um, that's supporting uh, a range of emerging market uh, economies. So, you know, that growth differential makeup of growth, um, we think, is a, a dollar uh, negative. Uh, we also think that the Fed leaning with easier fiscal policy in the US is important. Now, back in 2018, you had strong US growth, you had looser fiscal policy, and you had the Fed sort of leaning against that by taking back its asset purchases, by uh, tightening monetary policy, because they thought that it was inappropriate. This time, um, it's very much the Fed going with looser fiscal policy, supporting fiscal policy. And so that combination of looser fiscal policy, loose monetary policy, we think is a, a dollar uh, negative. And then you've got other things like relative politics, relative reform processes, we think are gonna be uh, negative for the, the dollar. Uh, in terms of the risks around that, that view, it, it's very much as you've just um, outlined. It, I think it centers on uh, US interest rates, 10-year uh, yields, um, also uh, about uh, the positions in, in the market. They're, they're predominantly uh, around emerging market currencies, but they will be uh, in the majors as well. Uh, and if we're wrong and US yields continue to move higher, uh, then that would be a challenge to our, uh, our core dollar uh, view as well. Um, and you know, fully agree on that uh, rate outlook, uh, US still firefighting on COVID-19, uh, uh, some of the high frequency data a little bit uh, weaker. Uh, the two other risks uh, around that dollar view, uh, we think uh, would be if equity markets, for example, uh, were to correct significantly lower. The uh, dollar has moved, um, you know, dollar moves up when equities go down and, uh, and vice versa. And we, we think that that's uh, important as well. Uh, and the final point, just central bank intervention to slow the pace of uh, dollar weakness against a range of currencies. And I think the new important information uh, over the last week or so has been a range of central banks just just easing back on the currency. So Poland, Sweden, Chile, China, uh, and uh, Israel as well. So uh, those are the risks we think, um, but the, very much the focus for the dollar is on yields. Okay, so I'm gonna put you on the spot real quick. So between the Euro and Sterling, which one do you think performs better? And obviously that means that there's a Euro Sterling kind of play in there too. Well, I think actually Euro Sterling uh, moves uh, lower, so we would prefer uh, sterling, but it is very much uh, about the time frame, really. Um, we're talking euro sterling downside risks in the opening quarter. We think by uh, the second half of the year, or as early as the, the second quarter, I, I think the sterling is uh, coming under a, uh, pressure, and then we would prefer uh, the euro. Uh, very much about the UK's uh, vaccine rollout. Um, expectations are high. Um, made by the, the government and it's important those are met but if um, lofty expectations can be um, met then I think that that will be supportive of the, the currency and you think about 
you know, the economies that have been hardest hit by COVID-19 uh, are the ones that probably are going to benefit the most from a vaccine. So an early rollout of a vaccine for the UK economy, we think plays positive for the, the currency. Great, Paul. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Weekly Watch. Please subscribe to our channel to get future episodes. We also encourage you to explore more of our content on our website and other social media channels.